You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Making Waves. Welcome to Making Waves, the Strip Rock Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media family and one of the fastest growing rock podcasts in the world. Remember to review, rate, subscribe, and share with all your friends. Well, this is our first podcast back since, well, Halloween, and nothing's more fitting than post-Halloween than to have our guest today. Uh, please welcome Michael Vampire from Vampires Everywhere. Thank you for coming aboard, brother. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me. It's awesome. Yeah, man. So it's it's fitting. We wish we could have got you in Halloween night. That would have been really spectacular. But we're we're still in we're still in Sam Hain, I believe. We're still in the fall harvest. So we think we have until the sixth where Halloween is still in effect. So thank you for joining us. And we couldn't think of any better guests than this. So um, real quick, man, we gotta start. You have a new EP out, The Awakening, but you also have a very inspired cover of the weekends, uh, the hill. How did this come to be, man? It rules by the way. Good job. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, we're talking left field thinking on this one. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, vampires ever in itself, like we started in 2007, we, we always did like these obscure covers. Um, uh, but I've been listening to the weekend nonstop the weekend in the midnight. So it's kind of in my, it's kind of on my rotation that I'm listening to. I'm like, dude, I have to do a song by the weekend. And I felt like this one, I can kind of have that, you know, low kind of evil verse and that really hard chorus. I think it just kind of resonated to me and the lyrics resonate to me. So yeah, you know, I, I really dig it. I think it came out cool. It's funny you just mentioned midnight. Cause I think about you guys, I think about midnight, I think of tribulation. Um, some of the kind of the, some, some of the more modern bands that are, they're taking on kind of that goth kind of this legacy from the eighties. Right. Were you highly inspired by bands like Sisters of Mercy and Susie and the Banshees and the Cure and all those as growing up? I think I think the Cure would be would be the the front runner on that. Uh, Susie and the Banshees and all and um, Sisters of Mercy. I mean, uh, when I was signed to Century Media, Mike Gitter introduced me to Sisters of Mercy. He's like, "This is around 2010." He's like, "You have to know this to be a goth." And uh, I remember <laughs> it sounds very Gitter, by the way. Yeah, it is very Gitter, and uh, I was like, "All right, man." Um, and then when I was on Victory, Tony was like, you, you need to listen to Susie and the Banshees. I, I haven't listened to Susie and the Banshees before that, um, but I, I do dig them. It's not in my rotation, uh, mm-hmm. but I do, I do like them. Yeah, I dig them. You know, I'd be remiss not to say Bauhaus, of course, and kind of the Peter Murphy angle. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I had to slip that in there. Yeah. But um, so new EP's out. It's been a while. What, uh, what, what brought you guys back together and what got it going? You know, the pandemic uh, was, was kind of crazy. I kept things going by other band, uh, Dead Girls Academy. And uh, we had a lot of weird things going on with the label at the time and stuff like that. And uh, the fans were, were connecting, but they weren't connecting in a way where I felt um, it was going to a place where it would have longevity. And um, I know everybody was really like yearning for this band to come back, always messaging me, where's Vampires Everywhere? Are you going to bring it back? 
And um, I had a lot of uh, opportunities with all these new emo rap and all that stuff coming out where I was being hit up for um, for collaborations, but they wanted it as vampires everywhere because I did something with Motionless White in the past and all that. Mm-hmm. So they wanted that kind of nostalgic vibe. So I was like, you know what? There's no better time than now. I feel like the timing was perfect. I was planning on bringing it back. And I just felt like this this was the time, right? Fresh out of the pandemic, fresh onto the tour, onto a tour, you know, and just giving people what they wanted at that time. And, you know, it's my baby band. Um, I never lost touch with it. You know, it's always been part of me. I never took the vampire out of my name from it. Mm-hmm. It's just who I am. Um, so it feels good to have like peel back the banana a little bit and show everybody, oh, you remember, remember me? This is, this, is, this is the person that you, that you wanted around and I'm back. So I got a question. Uh, so I was reading cause I'm not sure I'm obviously I couldn't find any information on who's currently in the band with you. Is it the same last lineup as like 2016 or is it like new, new, new folks? It's, it's all new. Um, oh, okay. Wow. It's, it's a, it's, it's, uh, it's hard, man. You know, it's a revolving door, um, with people and, uh, you know, the lineup I have now, uh, it seems pretty copacetic and everybody really, really wants to be part of it. And that's the thing you have to have everybody that's, you know, you want a gung ho lineup that's uh, ride or die. And, you know, when you go on the road and you're, you're stuck in a bus or a bandwagon, whatever it is for a long period of time, it's like, you know, uh, you have a girlfriend and before they move in, you think she's one way and then she's another. That's kind of how this goes, but with like five other people. Uh, <laughs> so you discover who you can live with and who you cannot and uh, who can pull the weight and who cannot. And this lineup's good. This is a good one. You guys are all in uh, Vegas now, right? Or uh, back in Los Angeles? Majority. Uh, we got we got a couple out here. We got a couple in L.A. and then some down in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was trying to look up to see who was in the band. If I knew any of the any of the guys you're playing with or don't want to assume maybe, there, maybe there's females in there, too. But uh, I couldn't find it. And then I had to ask because I saw that you transplanted in this period of time from L.A. to Vegas. I have. Yes. So you've been really busy in during the pandemic, not only just. Uh, by creating and bringing back new music, bringing back your band and creating new music, but also finding people, like you said, the copacetic, the people who get together and stay together and then planning a tour and all this other stuff. Uh, I wanted to ask what these new guys, you guys coming out, you coming out of this sort of like hibernation period, how did it feel to be on the road uh, this past October for the first time in what, five years, four years? Insane. Um, you know, even, even with my past band, it was three years since we went on tour with POD and, you know, and when I brought this back, um, our first two shows were festivals, um, you know, one being incarceration. So I, I had to learn how to breathe again. Um, th- that was one thing. Oh, that's what it's like to step on stage and sing. And scream. that's a big audience to breathe in front of. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, fulfilling, you know, I, uh, after that, I, I think I got my sea legs, and so when we, uh, we got back onto this tour, uh, rediscovering my positioning, what I'm supposed to look like, how, how to breathe, how to warm up, um, you know, even the people that came into the bus, so, you know, where do they sit? How does it work? <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about um, all these uh, minor things, but they all, they all took a while. And obviously we've all been pretty, you know, I've been working the entire time on music on, on an entertainment company. I have two, but you know, it feels like, you just hatched out of an egg, man. And you're like, Oh, okay, here we go. And, uh, that's what it's been like, you know, reminds me of that scene from spinal tap. What you just said, hashing out of an egg where the bass player's in there. And then all of a sudden comes out at the very end of the set. I can imagine that's how it feels like for, for a quick moment until you realize, okay, cool. This is what we well, do. This is how I do it. 
You know, I think it's very fitting though. You got new guys. So with your name, fresh blood is very appropriate. Oh, I appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. Yeah. So for people who don't know, can you give us kind of a lowdown on how you came to be, how did vampires uh, everywhere come from? And can you give us the lost boys connection if you don't mind? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we started with the Lost Boys connection, man. I um, I did an interview not long ago with NotFest, and it was all about Lost Boys, and I've had some crazy experiences with them. But um, I've been a fan since I was a little kid, and I remember my guitar player at the time. We both were uh, – I was a bass player in, in this kind of uh, uh, this Disney project they were doing, and it was terrible, man. And the guitar player was a metal guy, and I'm like, look, I, I think I should sing and scream some stuff, and I think you should play with me. And uh, I think we should name it after the Lost Boys. And we tried to name it the Lost Boys, um, and it was taken. Um, so I was like, let's just name it after the comic book and the Lost Boys, Vampires Everywhere. And at the time, we didn't think about that. Uh, we didn't think through on that, because at the time, <laughs> uh, Twilight had just come out. And I made no connection with this, man. I, I made no connection. I didn't even read the books. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> And we gained a lot of traction really fast. I mean, before we even got signed, we were in a head, uh, MTV Headbangers Ball, and we we garnered like half a million views on YouTube in a week, and all this stuff's happening. And um, we ended up getting signed to Century Media and all that. And I didn't make the connection with the with the Twilight thing and that. So we had a lot to battle uh, about me, you know, going no, no, it's the comic book in the movie, The Lost Boys. And um, it took a while for people to catch on. I don't think it was until 2013. Yeah, people are just like, ah, I get it. You know, and I, I get what you're trying to do. It's an evil band. It's it's a horror-based band. It's not, you're not trying to sparkle. Um, but, you know, I was in a near-fatal <laughs> car accident, and uh, that's that's basically why I wanted the whole vampire thing. Um, I was uh, I was actually killed in a near-fatal car accident touring in Florida where a drunk driver hit our, our, our uh, van and sent me into a coma and my drummer at the time in, in a different band. So when I had survived this whole experience, about two years of recovery, I wanted to do something that had that longevity, like uh, being immortal, never dying, uh, living forever, obviously correlating with the movie and my love for it. But it all has special meaning to me um, coming together. It's so it's neat because it's such, a, it's such an obscure reference. I mean, that's a, that's a two <laughs> second piece of that film that I think most people get lost on unless you like you said, you're a fan yeah. of the film, you know, all the little the little nuances of it. Um, like Chad said, you just got off the road. You guys just did like a month long tour. What was it like? What was the fan reaction like? Because we have, we've, we've talked to artists who've been on the road or, or maybe just done a couple one-off festivals and the reaction to the fans just to a, be happy to be back out and feeling somewhat normal at a show. And now obviously you guys getting back together. What was the fan reaction like for you guys? Well, it's kind of incredible um, to start with, you know, going across the entire United States you know, you're, you're getting all these restrictions in your emails from the promoters, you know, oh, this is going to be like this, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like this. But it really wasn't like that at all um, until we hit Portland, Seattle, and Los Angeles. So basically, it was like we were on tour and it, you know, nothing ever happened. Um, you know, there wasn't all these regulations going through all these parts. So it's, it was, it was kind of surreal. Um, but I mean, as far as people coming out and loving and enjoying it, I, we got, we had a lot of diehard fans, people that, you know, I didn't know what to expect, man. Um, but we had a lot of diehard fans come out that have the tattoos of the Batagram, which is our logo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people bought VIPs to come see me and brought the vampires that were comic books and had all these old CDs to sign. So 
it was really cool and surreal to see our diehard fans come out and and show their support. I mean, I'm I'm very thankful for that because, dude, I don't know, I I had no idea what to expect. Zero idea. It's, yeah, the funny thing, it's uh, you, I would have loved if you guys would have written back to the promoter saying, you know what, vampires can't get sick, can't get die, we can't get ill, but we must feed. Exactly. <laughs> that would have been a great response. The second, let me ask you, and I, th- maybe Chad can help me with this too, because Wilson, his band had fans who get the tattoo, the logo. Is there another responsibility or is that just a fan going off on their own? Is there a responsibility? Do you feel like I've got to really deliver for this cat? I'm with this person forever now. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, I, let's put it this way. I get freaked out at the merch booth, man. I, I get freaked out at VIPs. I don't even know what to say. When, right. when someone buy, you know, and when someone buys your body of work, you're just like, wow. You know, you feel really, I, I feel like, oh, that's so amazing that you did that. But why do I feel weird that you like me that much? And uh, the, the tattoo is like, yo, yeah, you know, um, I, I need to deliver, but that's for sure. Yeah. yeah uh, um, what's your take on that? <laughs> well, see, I, we just listened to a beautiful story about a life and death and how the band name and all the pieces came together. My band, Wilson, uh, was out of pure necessity of a name for a college, like a flyer while the guys were, while we were in college that said, hey, you want to play my frat party? And we're like, sure, man. And he's like, what do we put on the flyer? And we said, fucking put Wilson on it. And we had no idea what was going to happen. So moving forward, we have these big W's, you know, like it's like a middle finger skull hands. So my, <laughs> my feeling when I see this, I'm always like, ah, but also more, you know, like that was part of the fucking culture of what it was just to be funny. So I would assume that like with you being, having so many layers, like an onion to what this is, it probably has a little bit more onst to it than like me who said, uh, I wasn't even supposed to be here today and somehow made it. And now you have a tattoo here, you know? So yeah, my, that's my take. Just. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean the, the, you know, it's crazy, man, because you know, a lot of, a lot of these people, um, a lot of fans that I deal with um, on the regular are having a rough time. You know, they're having a really rough time. I mean, you know, uh, being androgynous and wearing the makeup, especially for a dude, um, it's like a whole other level of weird for a lot of people, you know? And, you know, them sporting the tattoo or that kind of stuff. They always hit me up about having just a, a, a hard time in life and getting through things. So I think that, you know, when I see that on someone that I know, because you know, you're dying. I mean, it's weird to say this, but you know, you're die, die hard fans because they're always messaging you. They're always there. They're always bringing you weird brownies and cookies. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, you try to do your best to, you know, make that tattoo mean something. So I try to do my best to answer them all as much as humanly possible. Yeah, it's Absolutely. funny you mentioned the whole idea of the vulnerability of some people. Uh, goth in the goth sector, it's because I'm a recovering goth in the 80s. I guyliner, bolo tie, bolero hat, listen to too much Fields of the Nephilim kind of thing. <laughs> so it's always so funny, but I always it's always great though to see that genre, subgenre kind of resurrect itself all the time. Yep. And that goes back to you guys now being with Cleopatra, because they're kind of like the godfather of that whole scene. Right. So it just makes perfect sense that you guys are on it. They've kind of expanded their roster. They're very eclectic, but I still, when I think Cleopatra, I'm like, that's, that has a time and place to me. It's dated from that period. So it's great to see you guys on it. And that they're actually still around and happening and doing this stuff. So it's, that's a pretty cool correlation right there. It was cool, man. I mean, um, my homeboy, Tim Skold, who is in Manson, he did his own little thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I ended up seeing, 
uh, him on the label. And, you know, I thought this, that would be cool. And then I kind of investigated. I'm like, all right, Bone Thugs and Harmony, that's, that's left field, you know? And then, but at the same time, you know, they, they, like you said, you know, I think Brian over there, you know, starting that whole LA thing and that culture is really cool. So yeah, we were excited to put the CP out with them. I mean, it was cool to put it out with something different because I've always been on something that would be more warp tour or scene based label. So this was something, you know, a little bit off the cuff for me. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm, assu- I'm assuming it's a, it's a nice pat on the, it's a nice reminder uh, of, for all of the reasons why you do this, that there's still um, parts of the giving tree, right. And that turn back around and totally, you know, one hand washes the other after all these years. It's, it's cool to have a, uh, have your act reignite and have like the Godfather essentially say, <laughs> I know G, you know, like that's yeah. fucking massive, man. Uh, what, what, what made you want to be a vocalist? This is such a cliche, uh, question, but I guess, I don't know if you started as a vocalist or if you were playing guitar or whatnot, but like when you were young, this transitional period of how you became the vocalist of your bands, what, what ignited that flame for you? No, that's a great question. Actually. Um, I would see the egos of the past singers that I was part of, you know, dealing with, you know, I was, I was kind of like the Pete Wentz, of the bands I played bass. Um, it was always my band. Um, it was always my lyrics and it was always kind of me, me being the, the control master, if you will, of putting everything together, but I'd always had to deal with a vocalist that was never fully dedicated or, uh, had an ego that was through the roof and I just couldn't handle it. You know, it's to the point where it's like, look, I'm investing a lot of my money and my time and blood and into this. And I, and I couldn't take that situation anymore. So I established my own ego and took over being a vocalist. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, it definitely, it definitely became an easier situation for me because as you started saying, you know, with the, with the lineup, people do come and go, but as long as I'm there and hustling and doing what I have to do and things continue. Was vampires everywhere your first vocal, uh, debut, uh, or do you have bands before this? I've been out a bunch of bands before this. I was always kind of the, at the time it was a, it was a long time ago. And this is when Screamo kind of first came out. I was always the guy in the screaming or doing the background vocals um, or doing, you know, if it was a pop punk thing, I'd be doing the backup vocals. So this is my first like, okay, I'm stepping out and I'm going to do this myself. So. Got it. Yeah. So you really did probably master it. Yeah. It's funny to see the evolution of the Screamo style bands where they came from, everyone from asking and everyone, the way that everyone's transitioned to that. Now it's funny. I always kind of laugh now when I see kids quite young, much younger than obviously than all of us, yourself, whatever is like wearing like those band shirts from back in the day. I'm like, has Screamo become heritage? Is it heritage <laughs> music now? Are we already yeah. at that point? Is that 10 years past to where they can call it, you know? I mean, I think of Texas is the reason and braid and things like that, you know, without those bands, we wouldn't exist because I was in a screamo band too, you know, before Wilson. And uh, I I didn't want to interrupt you there, but I think it is. I think it's part of the linear history of music uh, much more than other people give it credit for. I'll let, uh, I'll let Michael take it from here. (laughs) You're you're absolutely right. What's, what's kind of crazy though, man, you know, I grew up on, you know, like Pennywise and hot water music and, Mm-hmm. Um, and when it came down to like, um, screamo bands that first started out, I mean, I, I was all into that too, but if you ask some of these, and it's crazy how the scene has changed. If you, you ask these emo rappers or these, um, goth emo, there's, there's all these subgenres nowadays 
and you ask them their favorite band, they're like, oh man, Mike Cam. It all came from Mike Cam, or it came from, um, you know, uh, Taking Back Sunday or something like that. It's the just, used, yeah, yeah, yeah. The used, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all the heritage work for bands that people kind of, uh, and when I say heritage work for bands, I mean somewhere starting around 2012. Uh, so a Sleeping with Sirens thing, or, you know, yeah. um, Ask yeah. Alexander would be one, obviously, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's changed. And so when I get hit up about collaborations, they want the 12 version. And I think 2012 on is what everyone's kind of looking at now is heritage and things before that you got to explain it. You really do got to explain it to them. Yeah. Sure. I, used, I used to work for at revelation records and oh, we awesome. kind of started that whole thing with like sense field and all those guys. So yeah. yeah. Trying to explain that. Everyone's like, well, isn't all music emotional. I'm like, it's different. It's a different thing. I can never explain emo to save my fucking life. <laughs> you guys got an ant. You guys have a definition for that because I can never explain it. Uh, Is that I think it's spelled. I, mean, I, don't, I don't get. It. I don't. <laughs> so here, here's where I, where I think the crossroads are. And Michael, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. I grew up in a small town with no available place for us to play. So we had, I rented a, a shitty VFW hall, right? And my, so um, um, this isn't about the location geographically where we're playing, but it's more or less about the ethos of the community that started to build itself around that. So when I think about all of that, I immediately bring it back to it's that it's not, the sound or the look as much as it is the first time that most of these people understood what it was to leave their house and feel that they were in a safe space of other weirdo, um, you know, forward thinking, uh, emotional people in general. And, uh, because there's somebody that they knew at the door taking their $3 while they listened to some dude screaming because he can't sing on two speakers on a stand. It didn't matter because you were with your people. That's how I re- relate it. Oh, absolutely, man. I think the, those days playing skate parks and stuff like that, they go a long way. I mean, a lot of people don't know what it's like to tour back of a U-Haul, you know, with yeah. no seats. Um, but, you know, it's like the emo definition, man. It's someone says it's, someone says it all starts with Sunday Day Real Estate. You know, some say it starts with that kind of um, melodic type of music, um, you know, Jimmy Eat World and, you know, stuff like that and that kind of error. I mean, I don't mean to see like Jawbreaker, but, you know, it's... Yeah. yeah, it's a weird, it's weird references. And I think, you know, the, the scene has changed it from, from time to time. But if I asked any emo kid today, what saves the day is I'm sure he does not know. And uh, <laughs> that saddens me. Yeah. You, you really it's want to twist them, twist them, twist them in places. <laughs> ask him what Fugazi is or what exactly. Rice of Spring is. Any of those DC <laughs> yeah. bands, they'd be like, I, I'm like, that's the genesis of all this stuff. Oh, absolutely. But when you bring it back to that, so not, not to harp on my point any further, <laughs> when you bring it back to what you just said, Fugazi, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about what they what he what they started there in D.C. I mean, sure. and what what it stood for and how it, how that movement just had such an sonic explosion around it geographically that other people wanted to emulate it or be a part of it in their own towns. Right. And it's the same exact feeling. We, we don't see it, but he's going to see it because he's getting hit up by these emo SoundCloud rappers and all the stuff that's <laughs> happening. That's the same thing. It's yep. the punk rock ethos, back of your trunk, selling the CDs because yep. nobody else gives a shit. You know, it's the same yeah, thing yeah. Uh, that they're doing. And, and that all kind of like, for me, tumbleweeds into a beautiful fucking emotional uh, what they, what they say, mess, if that will. Self, <laughs> self-empowerment for the people who feel powerless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Mike, so, I like that conversation. Right. 
that's good. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> now, got, now I'm have to break out my records. Um, <laughs> so you guys just finished this tour. The EP's cooking. You got you got the cover song out. What uh, the rest of the year is kind of a I guess at this point is it a wash for bands from this point on from like November on or do you sneak in some shows and. Ooh, I mean, it's, it's a toss up, man. If you're, if you want to take the chance about touring in the holidays, um, obviously you're having to battle the issue with the snow. If you were going to go, you know, yeah. and do the whole U S but, um, no, I'm not touring, uh, during that time. Our next tour actually is, is in February. Um, and then we're shortly after going to the UK. Um, so yeah, we're waiting this out. It, it's weird. It's very frustrating because it always happens this way. It's like from a certain point in November to January, like fifth, everything freaking closes down. And you're just like, ah, you know, if you want something, you want to get a hold of somebody, man, they're, you know, they're yeah. out doing something else. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, just to, to, to staple onto that real quick. I think it's kind of a little bit bullshit. I mean, everybody needs a vacation, but I always thought about the music industry saying after basically Thanksgiving, we yeah. don't work again until like this January 10th. And yeah. that's great in some certain capacities, but it's not when you're on the road, because my band would always have to tour at that period of time when we started, because nobody fucking cared enough to like, you know, we were getting those like, uh, who wants to support this band? Fucking Wilson, you know, and our, the team would be like, N.A., you know what I'm saying? When, uh, when, when shit would go down. Yeah, it's absolutely. a weird little like machine. Uh, it is. I mean, you're, it's Justin. weird because it's, it's creative, man. I mean, if you're dealing in independent record labels, you're dealing in that kind of world. It's a, it's a bunch of creatives, you know, obviously with the, with the major labels and stuff, it's a, it's a lot different. I, I don't think they stop. Um, I think they keep going. It's just commercialism type thing. But I think as far as like independence, they're like, all right, man, I'm spent. You know, I, this is, I'm going to take my time here to recollect and then come back. But it's always like, oh, man, yeah, we'll be trickling in from time to time here in December before Christmas. It's like, no, nah, you're not trickling in. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I always imagine is like, well, you know, a lot of, a lot of this music does appeal to college age kids. They're home. They're bored. Yeah. Get, go, go, go play some club shows and go get those kids. And obviously all these stations do a, a Christmas show route a few dates around that. I wouldn't go dormant, but that's just me. I'm not in management. Yeah. So there you go. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's like February too. You know, we're going on tour in February and uh, our agent, I told him, you know, let's go the Southern route because I I've been stuck at the, the top of Mount Vale, um, you know, before <laughs> where I couldn't move and I thought I was going to die. So um, it's a double-edged sword, but I mean, if I were to go do like a tour in Florida for about two weeks, I could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can stay up in Vail and your guitar's out of tune. Nothing's right. This is shit. Get me it's out of here. Yeah. Oh my God. So you're hey, going to, uh, you're going to London and start real quick. You're going to London in April, right? 15th? In April. Yeah. In April. Is it a tour or is it just the one show? I, I saw just one show. Yeah. So about it. we wanted to do like a, we always come up with these different schemes of things like, you know, what would be the best, um, you know, best way to put something out to get it most attention. And obviously as the same way as somebody would put out a full length, which is not kind of a thing you do anymore. Uh, like, an, like an EP, we wanted to do something a little bit more separate and then focus on that and then announce a tour that surrounds it. So it, it's more of a, it ignites more of a fire, if you will. So, okay. So you got something that's following up that like the London thing is just the, the, uh, the rabbit. Um, what do they call those things? Rabbit? Tail? No. Holes? Rat. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sorry, that was, it's our ballsy one, man. You see, it's like, um, I always do kind of things like that. I want to take you shots. 
you know, the underworld holds about 500 people. Um, oh, yeah. Vampires. I mean, Dead Girl's been out there, but Vampires has not. So I was like, okay, let's go see what, this, what we can do out there to try to see how many people we can get. And I, I wanted that to be like the highlight, if you will, of the tour. So we wanted to start with that. Great room, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never played there, so I'm excited. Very cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, let me do a commercial break here and then we'll be getting here to live pretty soon. So let me go do that. So, hey, folks, at this time, we'd like to remind you that not only are you listening to a kick ass podcast, uh, but you're also, we also, we also produce an amazing rock music themed cruise vacation called Ship Rock. We'll be sailing to Costa Maya and Cozumel on our 12th voyage in January 2022. Sail away into metal oblivion with Lamb of God, I Prevail from Ash's new Steel Panther. And uh, also, well, Mike, Mike's going to be joining us. So, so Michael Vampire will be part of this. <laughs> this is our super group that we have on board. So uh, by all means, come and check us out. Uh, cabins are still available. You can go to shiprock.com and pick one of those up still. I think there's a very limited availability. But um, anyway, so we'll get back to our conversation now with Michael Vampire. So I wanted, we were just talking before, uh, before um, now we're live. Uh, so we were just talking about this plan, the idea of how you sort of like put a pin in a map and move backwards. And I got to imagine after not moving backwards or forwards with this band in particular for yeah. the past five, six years, every pin has got to feel fucking monumental for, for you. Just it's like a new, I, I can only imagine what I would feel like. And I would feel like every single time that a, a wins and wins and wins and win type sort of situation we're doing it. It's, it's working. People are fucking coming. Shows are getting booked. Uh, how do you feel about that? It's, like, it's, well, I mean, it all starts from home, you know, with the rehearsal studio. I mean, it's, uh, I'm always thinking, okay, is my guitar player with a girl that has something? I mean, does she have COVID? I mean, like, is, is there, you know, as a family member sick, I mean, my tour manager's, uh, you know, uh, sister was sick with COVID. I'm like, can we get through this to start the thing? You know, right. I mean, that, that was kind of, that was kind of the biggest thing, you know, I was getting the bandwagon. We're like, oh man, are we going to be able to get this? Is someone going to be able to cop out? And then we won't, we'll lose this and we'll lose that. So there was all these like little minor things before we even got on the road. And when the minute it left, I was like, okay, so now we're moving, now we're moving forward. And um, by show one, you know, I was like, there's one down. And by two, three, four, I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do this. Um, we're, we're definitely going to do this. And um, once it started steamrolling, it was like, it never happened. It, I mean, it, can I say that it was more of in the back of your mind. Um, there were some rules and regulations along the way, but it wasn't to the point where you were being reminded every five seconds that we're in a, you know, a, I don't want to say a post pandemic, but maybe so. Um, sort of, sort of scenario for sure. Yeah. You're constantly changing the, uh, that, like, like you said, when you were on the West West coast, I would imagine that was a whole different d deal than like Lawrence, Kansas or whatever it was, you know, and like, you're just rolling with the punches. I, I, I think that like, it's <laughs> amazingly brave that out of all of the years depicted like ignite that you're like, let's fucking go. So like, uh, congratulations on that. It's, it's huge. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. It's interesting. Cause you're, you know, we come from touring like in Florida and then we'll, you know, go all the way through the Midwest and then we'll hit Portland. I'm like, Oh man, I need a, another big Jack Daniels bottle, you know? So I'll go and, I'll, <laughs> and that's priority. And I'll, and I'll go into a liquor store in uh, Portland and just be completely bombarded and shut down. I need your Vax card. I need your, your mask needs to be over your nose. 
Um, you, you know, all these sort of things like boom, 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 boom. You're like, whoa, you know, because you weren't dealing with that the whole tour. You're like, oh, yeah, we're in a pandemic. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. 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 Hey guys, uh, well, everyone, thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. We are uh, here with Michael Vampire. So if you guys have any questions, please pose them in the thread and we're going to continue our conversation. And don't forget that this episode will drop on Monday the 8th at 9 a.m. Eastern. So you guys can see the first half an hour. And then also, if you uh, you can, make sure and, and tell your friends about it and uh, share it and review and it, uh, rate it. God, I'm just tongue twisted. It must be this Utah air. It's so clean. You're in Utah? I'm in Utah, brother. What are you doing? Did we ever talk about this? I don't remember being talking about Utah. Have you been? Do you guys play Utah on this tour, Michael? Uh, we did. We played Salt Lake City. Yeah. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Where are you? Are you in Salt Lake City, Justin? No, I'm in Harriman, Utah. I'm over at uh, uh, Robin Lindsay's Animal Sanctuary for the week, helping out. Hmm, okay. So here Interesting. we are. Yeah, out in the prairies. <laughs> when you would tour on this last uh, run. Do you have any like cities? I just, this is me being selfish and asking that. Do you have any like cities that like uh, were super memorable? Uh, it's been a while since I've been on the road. I'm just trying to like, besides the, you know, besides the major markets, which are always going to be much better. Do you have anything well, that let's just say, fuck, that was awesome. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of the major markets for us are always really cool. I mean, I think, um, what would be a, a curveball for this one? You know, and I just, and I just sent it over. I think Des Moines is always a curveball. Uh, you know, you're like, oh, Des Moines, you know, you know, and they always put you, you know, I always get put in at lefties and it's like, you know, you know, Slipknot started here. Right. And I'm like, yes, you know, I yes. do. And uh, we always have a lot of fanatical fans there. And, and I, you know, I love that. Um, I love that Tampa, Florida. Um, that's uh, definitely not a major market uh, that we do, but it, we have a lot of Adam and fans there. And as far as the major markets, man, I mean, Austin's one of my favorite places to play. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tampa was it just, and this is again riffing here. Uh, back boot, it's no, is that Orlando? What was the room in, in Tampa? Uh, that's a brass mug or it's the Orpheum. Orpheum. So, yes, yeah, so you can take your pick on either of those fantastic places. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it was the brass mug this time for us for sure. Well, nice. Tampa makes sense though because it's the home of American death metal. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, that's where all those bands, you know, Campbell Corpse, Death, Obituary, they're all from there. So yeah, yeah Death, yep. Yep, I would just say that Virginia, uh, Richmond, Virginia would probably feel like they sort of cross pollinated at that period of time. Would I be wrong? Uh, you know, uh, between Tampa and Richmond, Virginia, Justin. I, I would think that maybe Richmond for more of the thrashier stuff, but sure. death, death is obviously the irony of death coming from someplace as nice as Tampa. Yeah. Uh, but hey, what do you do? The sun at some point can just wear you down, and you just go. I just want to sing about death. and trails and all that other shit but anyway so mike this year you're going to be a part of the stowaways man have you ever been on a cruise Uh, it's funny you say that man because i i uh lived in florida for half of my life and my family has been on cruises one million times and i have refused those cruises um so this will be my first voyage um i have absolutely no idea what to expect of what i'm even doing on the cruise. So I'm excited to see how that goes down as well. So. Well, lots of Jack Daniels for sure. Lots of Jack. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people buying a Jack. So that's yeah. always nice. Um, yeah. You know, man, I, Chad's better at this because his band played it a lot of times. He became almost a house band. So he's better explaining what you're going to experience than I am. Awesome. Yeah. I would have to say like, I mean, <clears throat> hold on. 
Have you been uh, uh, on long flights? Oh yeah. What does your body feel like after that 16, 15 hour flight or whatever? Tight. Okay. Do you know how, do you, do you often have, have you been on like a vessel in the water of any sort that's larger oh, yeah. than like Most a, yeah. yeah. Did you have any sort of like weird seasickness feelings? No, no. I'm good on all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be right there on the, on the, uh, when you exit the boat after the, the last day, I'm going to ask you, how do you feel son? And, uh, I'm expecting you to feel great, but also amazingly shitty in the best ways. Because, uh, my, my take on doing the ship as many times outside of playing, playing is a whole different beast of a conversation, but being on a ship with the, with the anxiety and emotions of, of knowing you have things to do, it's an overwhelming feeling of the, of like pure viscosity uh, in, in the sense that like you're go, 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 go. And then you stop and you relax. And that's an, an incredible feeling when you're just on a boat and you don't have to do anything else. You play twice. Right. And for you, you're going to do the stowaway. So you're going to do one, two, maybe three songs. And the rest of the time, you're just going to be eating soft serve ice cream, watching <laughs> a bunch of bands play and getting to know some of the most amazing people in the world. Um, of which they will all become lifelong fans and you will have uh, friends in the lowest and the highest places that you could, could ever imagine for the rest of your life. Awesome. That's my quick yeah. take on it. That's but, great um, explaining it. And I appreciate that. And diary. Don't forget the diary. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, listen, we have, we have a question from one of our ship rockers, if that's cool with you, uh, Michael, and I ask you this. This is Karen. She'd like to know, would you rather live on the planet Mars or would you rather live under the sea in Atlantis? Ooh, um, I, I want to say the planet Mars. There's no sharks there. I'm good on that. <laughs> there could be like space sharks. There could be space sharks. Yeah. How do you get away from them? Oh, man, I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> Bounce, no gravity. I'm heading to the Saturn. <laughs> so hey, right there Karen uh, he'd rather live on Mars him and David Bowie yeah there it is I have a, uh, I have a, uh, an existential question well sorry Justin go ahead no I was going to ask do you want to you can ask your existential but we have our question from last week that was posed yes yes, yes. Uh, I was going to I was going to hammer that one out after I asked this existential question hopefully you have an existential question um, maybe we'll do a little walking of the plank or do Mine's you want to go my, my, no, no, mine's not existential. It's more like, uh, uh, if you had to choose. Okay. Do you want me to go with this existential then? Well, you've got me. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all yours. Right, Michael. Michael, what's the most spiritual experience that you've ever had in your life? Spiritual. I have, I'm very, I'm very sensitive. I know this kind of, it's not so ironic, but I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very sensitive to seeing paranormal stuff. And, um, I had nest around, um, with a Ouija board and, uh, we had sat in the circle that we needed to do. We had cut our hands with the knives. Um, you know, we were all naked doing weird stuff. And, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. so, um, we had summoned something. And, uh, from that point, um, one of my ex-girlfriend's father came to visit us. Uh, we heard who steps, who actual steps in the house. Um, our ceiling started to melt because I thought it'd be a good idea to mount the Ouija board in my recording studio. So there was black mold starting to melt from that. Um, the energy in the house turned to almost, 
uh, let's put it, it's been horrific. Um, after I broke up with my ex and moved out of that apartment, stupidly enough, I moved Caddy Corner uh, to a different one so I could see it. I saw, I saw the spirit come down and look at me and um, and just basically say goodbye. But that that was one of the that was very spiritual for me. And I have I have a lot of stories like that. I I, uh, I have to sleep with the TV on. I need static on the TV. Um, I just it's it's very annoying, but it's also uh, very inspirational. It's very poltergeist. It is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was great. <laughs> During the uh, ceiling dripping, would, did you guys have dropped acid or anything before? Or what's <laughs> going, what, uh, nah, was there a caveat nah. to this? Well, it's, it's interesting, man, because we're living in this apartment and we had a 24-hour maintenance. And uh, the maintenance guy, I knew him pretty well because he had helped me out a bunch of times. And he came in. I was like, man, there's something wrong, man. It looks like black mold. And he had tested it. He's like, we don't really even know what this is. Um, I've never seen this before in this apartment complex. Your, your ceiling is completely melting. There's a hole in it. Um, and, uh, stupid, you know, it's funny cause uh, you know, if you ever mess with a Ouija board, you know, Milton Bradley makes these things and they make it safe for children. So, uh, we try to burn the board and when we, when it couldn't burn, that was the last straw for me, man. So I just hid it under something. Well, it has, uh, a, today, so. it has a, that, that, that resin on it. That I don't think it's flammable. It's not. Yeah. It can't burn. I, has anyone ever done like a background search on Milton Bladley? Like what's their start? Are they into the occult? What was going on with those guys? I mean, this might look innocent, but fuck it. Hey, well, you never know those corporate agencies, man. It's like adrenochrome central. So you never know. He's <laughs> <laughs> over there with the power drills. All right. Yeah. All right. My, my, my question is twofold and I, hell, I'll just, yeah, hell, you're, you're, you're Michael Vampire, so I got to ask: greatest vampire of all time on cinema? In cinema? Oh man, I'm going to be biased on this because um, you know I love the Lost Boys. I mean, uh, David from the Lost Boys is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, Sarandon over there in Fright Night when he did Fright Night, he was fantastic. The original Fright Night, mm -hmm. um, I love that. I mean, I, I mean Gary Oldman and Bram Stoker's Dracula. I mean, that was a hard one. I, I, I can go hard on this, man. I mean. There's no one for me, um, but those are some of my favorites for sure. Those are some so, of my favorites. No Christopher Lee noted. Um, <laughs> I didn't hate Christopher <laughs> Lee, mind you. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate him, but uh, it was he had a cheese thing to him, but he was kind of horrific looking. Well, that's Hammer. Hammer's through cheese. Crimson, the, the crimson blood. Uh, <laughs> how about, okay, the, to kind of like mirror that, how about uh, favorite, uh, you have to leave Lost Boys house. Other than Lost Boys, favorite vampire movie? Um, I really liked Let the Right One In. Oh, um, beautiful. Yeah. I thought that one was great. Obviously the original, I really liked that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was fantastic for me, man. I mean, as a kid though, I mean, it was Fright Night because that was cheesy and had its deal, but yeah. I mean, what do you think of the call? What do you think of the one with Colin Farrell? I, I love that one, man. I love, I, I, I thought he really did well. Um, especially him eating those apples and really free. He was, it, you know, it's not, you didn't get scared from it. Um, it's always campy, but he really, I like the sadistic evil vampires, man, that look good. It's kind of my vibe. I'll tell you, I, it's funny as a, you and I talked before this is like, I'm a big fan of vampires. The one I always go to recently, a lot of these 30 days a night. It's just That's a visceral. Great. It's just violent. It's just flat out violent and a great story though. You know, it's, it's very original, but yeah. So when I think about that, but the Colin Farrell one is he was much more visceral than Sarandon in the original. 
Oh, absolutely, man. And, yeah. you know, not, not to jump ahead on anything new, but if you haven't seen Midnight Mass yet on Netflix, I highly suggest it. I have not I seen that one. This. I didn't see it, but I saw the... Uh, Midnight Mass. It's, it'll blow your mind. Yeah. What was the one? Do you, do you know this one that was out? It was a black and white from a few years ago, and it's, it's an Iranian film. And it's, it's, it's a black and white shot, and it was done... It's you know subtitled in English, but it was about this Iranian vampire. It was the strangest thing. It's beautifully shot, but I can't remember for life of me. I have to look that up again. Damn yeah, it. let me know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't sure. know that one. I've been watching yeah. some really obscure stuff on Netflix too. Like uh, they're just putting stuff together, man. Like in all these crazy countries, just like and yeah, there's all these subtitles. You're like, I have no idea what the hell is going on here. Um, but yeah, right, right, yeah. So uh, Chad, you want to ask our our guest from last week? Yeah. So, so what we're doing here is uh, last week was the first week we asked our guests to do this. So you'll follow along. Um, you'll we'll get, you'll understand here in a second. But the question it is a question to you without knowing who you were going to be because we didn't tell last week's guest who it was. Uh, last week's guest was Jason Hook uh, from previously of uh, Five Finger Death Punch. You know, he was in many many of other um, guitar roles over his life. Time he wanted to ask our guest, what inspired you to make sacrifices to get where you are, and what advice would you give to somebody trying to get there today? That's a great question. Um, I'm one of those people um, that don't give up. You know, once I start something um, and I fall in love with it and I have a passion for it, uh, I'm determined to to follow through and and uh, kind of seek the light, if you will. I mean, I, I can't, I can't stop something that I'm in love with. And I think consistency is key. I think that the importance of this is you're going to have a lot of people in your ear along the way, uh, telling you what you should and should not do. Um, and I've had that happen to me and I've been in a lot of situations where I had changed the project, obviously from the one I'm in today. And I think keeping consistent with the, the passion that you have for the, for your band and, and the love you have for music is, is something that'll keep you going. And, um, you know, try to try to be tunnel visioned on that and follow your gut. It's important. Well, I hope he listens because that was good. <laughs> so now the second part of this is what would you like to ask our guest next week? And I can't tell you who it is. Oh, man. I would say, what is your favorite part of touring? Okay. Just my, the sound of me typing it, just so everybody knows I'm taking yeah, no, it seriously. No, it's, it's interesting between friends and stuff like that, you know, uh, why people get into music in general, but touring is a whole other animal. So I'm curious what would be his favorite part or she? Me well, too. Well, let me ask you, what is your favorite part of touring? Oh man, my favorite part is, is playing the music, um, getting on stage. Everything else to me is absolutely insane. Um, insane. I mean, uh, the waiting that's first, you know, when we headline the waiting, um, you know, trying to determine when I should space out my drinks, um, when I should have them, (laughs) um, you know, what to do with yourself, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's actually getting on stage and playing the show. Everything else that revolves around that is the hardest thing in the planet. Yeah. What, uh, is there a favorite three o'clock in the morning, uh, uh, convenience store food you like? Oh man. Um, 
It's a super we, important question. We always end up at a loves and there's always a subway open. Um, and there's always a disgusting concoction that is made. And if it's not, if it's not a love subway, it's a loves Arby's. Um, <laughs> we always, I mean, if you know, lo- loaves or loves, whatever, you, I think it's loves. It's loves. It's loves. It's yeah. loves. Yeah. 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 I think someone's, so have you ever seen Megamind? I mean, someone in my band just like loaves the whole time. Like, I think it's loves, man. But um, she's yeah, choosing it up. <laughs> yeah, lose. <laughs> Dude, have you been to a Wawa? That's my only, my, my, oh yeah. I have, and I regretted every minute of that. And you know what, and I always go back and um, I'm like, no, I'm not eating this again. And it's a rough morning because you know what? If you're a, a bus or a bandwagon or any sort of deal like that, like you're at a, you better park at a truck stop. Let's just say that. Or you better park close to a, uh, a bathroom. Because 100%. you're, you're going to be like running out like a Christmas goose, man, because you need to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, the people, <laughs> I was going to say a lot of people like love that thing. What are you telling me? It's not good. It's fine. It's fine. But it's, uh, you know, I would say, so, you know, in some ways, not the best uh, place, you know, for the most organic food there. So uh, this would be a little below that. And of course, it's in a gas station. Um, and it's made to order. So they're just plopping things together, man. You can make the most obscure things it's like eating a fat salad you're eating there. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, let's just put, you know, mozzarella sticks, ham, turkey, and, you know, <laughs> pizza together on a sandwich and let's, let's eat up. So, yeah. 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 And then let's think, let them pick it on a screen. You know, <laughs> like you can pick your finger out how you got there. Uh, the best, just uh, while we're on the subject, I think the best uh, gas station dinner of all time in my career has been uh, from Bucky's. If you haven't met, that's the jam. When you go to Bucky's, it's like a whole thing. It's like Christmas on the road. You spend like an hour. You, I used to like, dude, legitimately it, it, like it is. pace my shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Why, is it, why Bucky's hasn't expanded beyond certain states is beyond me because it would, it's, it's your best friend. Some muscle behind that for sure. Uh, yeah. Myers like not gonna happen or something. Yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah. version of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. so uh, obviously twenty twenty two is coming up, Michael. Other than being a guest on Shiprock and doing your thing there and uh, starting a tour in February, anything else uh, beyond the EP? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, very important nowadays, man. It's uh, it's crazy because you know I. I have my own boutique label and, uh, and I help artists write and do all this kind of stuff as well. And, you know, I, I'm always being, I'm very analytical of, of the industry and, you know, right now putting out consistent music is super important because, you know, you have that moment back in the day where you put out your LP and you're like, I'm going to write off this for the year, you know, and this is going to be fantastic. I can take a break off. It ain't like that anymore. Um, now you got to keep, you put out an EP about two, three months and now you should probably put out another one. Um, cause people's attention spans at this point in time are just, and, um, you know, music videos aren't even the same as it used to be everything, you know, you put out a music video, you got about two weeks on that. And then everyone's like, that was good. See you later. Um, yeah. so I'm going to keep putting out music, keep putting out videos, um, and keep touring. Um, you know, I want to just keep seeing our fans and building it back up. So is that then better if you say you have a whole LP? Is it better now to just break it into like like three sections and then we're going to drop four songs and this and then maybe three months later we'll drop another four songs. Everything's like an EP, like an EP career. I per, I mean, from my perspective, yes. I don't know a lot of my friends that listen to song one through three and they go, you know what, I'm listening to song 13. Um, 
right. I, I just I don't see that. I mean, a lot of the times they're listening to your most popular covers, you know, popular uh, singles. Um, you may go through your discography on Spotify, but even me, who I'm a big, uh, I don't know if you heard of the band The Midnight. Um, they're yeah. like an '80s kind of retro band. I have my five songs. Um, they have a discography of about seven or eight albums. I'm not visiting those. You know, it, it is just the way it goes. You like what you like at the time and you want that vibe. So I feel like the EP is the way to go. Yeah. I can get behind that too. I mean, I think it's important to just, just to chime into it. I think it's important to think about the, the, the consumer and how much there is available. When you're a fan of somebody, you, you, you know, when you built up that sort of situation where you've done this, getting your sea legs in this place, you can put out a record. And, uh, but mostly what's happening nowadays is you've got two or three EPs. The majority of those EPs make it onto an LP with some new songs, which is basically just another EP. And then it's just re-released with new artwork and some, some goodies, right? That's the trickle effect to the whole. And you're touring on that before that EP even comes out, the first EP of that, you know? And it's like... No. It's absolutely, yeah. man. You know, when everyone's trying to, you know, mess with the, the algorithms, you know, trying to figure out how to work it because we're all, you know, everything that we have known to love on social media has become pay to play. And um, it's, it's hard to muscle through that. So everyone's trying to adopt, you know, the rap and the, and the pop aspects of it of like, okay, well, I'll put out a single with the same ISRC code and then I'll put out five more songs, you know, um, that have that ISRC code. So that build goes into your e your EP. So then you have a lot more streaming. And I think that's what people are starting to think about right now, you know, because if you do that with a full length, it's a lot different and it's a lot more extensive for sure. Yeah. And the load's gone, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Justin's like, okay, well, <laughs> uh, let there be light. <laughs> he's like we're gone now <laughs> no 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 well, listen i it's hard you know coming up from someone who's like an lp guy and i'm i'm one of those guys if i like to ban i'm gonna investigate everything just because you know i get very selective in my thing but uh the idea of eps nowadays with like mike as you mentioned attention spans of people and the cycle that people go through music now it's just they just churn and burn it so yeah the ep makes complete sense and i think it's just, just a smart play and, uh, you know, the hell, and you're right. Music videos have never different because now artists basically are funding their own videos because they're cheaper to make these days. Absolutely. For the most part. But, uh, well, man, we've had you for nearly an hour, dude. And it's been great fun. Thank you for all the, thank you for entertaining my vampire, uh, stuff. <laughs> I'm just a huge fan. So Anytime. guys, yeah. Is there a place that people can check you out? Like your IG and like website, if you want to let people know where they can go to find you and find, check your stuff out. Absolutely, man. You can go into Instagram. I'm the real Michael Vampire because someone stole the other Michael Vampire. Uh, you can go on to uh, Vampires Everywhere Official on IG. Um, on Facebook, it's Vampires Everywhere Official and Michael Vampire on Twitter. Um, we're all over there. Please Google us, check us out. And I'm excited to be on Shiprock this year as a stowaway. And, you know, it's, uh, it's an honor to do it. And I've always followed you guys, so I appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see who you pair up with and, and do some songs for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, guys, yeah, make sure and check out the, the new EP, The Awakening. It's on Cleopatra Records. Go ahead and go to your favorite streaming place. Or is it available in brick and mortar? Can they go and buy the actual vinyl or a CD of this? Be, uh, on tour, you can. Um, I'm about okay. to put that on our online store. So give me a week or so, you'll get it. You'll get one. Absolutely. And if you guys are really interested in checking something out, this kind of a uh, left turn for them, check out their... Uh, Vampires are a cover of The Weekend's The Hills. It, uh, it's a lot it's of fun. Really good. So, 
it's really good. Chad, Chad gives it his seal of approval. And as he mentioned, uh, January 2022, we're going to see him on the boat. So anyway, uh, guys, listen, thank you for joining us tonight. Obviously, thank you, Michael. And thank you for supplying the question for next week for our guest. And uh, guys, just want to thank my co-host here, Chad Nicefield. Thank you, Chad, as always. You're my welcome, friend. Justin. And everyone at Ask for Entertainment, including our show producer, Al McManus, our show engineer, Jennifer Zito, show coordinator, Heather Smith, the captain, Alan, and then our guest service angels, Kathy and Peggy. So thank you, everyone. Uh, we just remind you guys to uh, rock hard and vacation harder. It takes one kiss to burn a witch. I like the way you taste. Just let me in. Nothing fake will ever spoil. It takes one kiss to burn a witch. I like the way you taste. This is the end. Just to make the Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.